welcome to episode 21 of the Ringside Rundown podcast, brought to you by TWM.news and the WrestlingChronicle.com. Representing the WrestlingChronicle.com, my name is Eric Vasquez, and joining me on the line is my podcasting partner in crime. Hey, that kind of rhymed. Right. <laughs> representing, nice. representing TWM.news, she is Shay Hicks. And Shay, what's going on, buddy? What is up? It feels like it has been forever. And by forever, it's been three days. Yeah, it's it's, it's felt like forever that we haven't been able to do a normal yeah. episode. And this one this one is kind of going away from what we usually do. Um, it's kind of a mixed bag of content that we're going to be talking about today. We're not going to be recapping every single thing. But mainly the big stories, we got a lot to go over, like the flame emoji polls for Crown Jewel, Halloween Havoc is this week, we got some news that happened on some Smackdown, some backstage news we want to cover, and uh, also over on the other side of the aisle, AEW had Rampage and Dynamite Friday and Saturday back to back. So we have a lot to cover, but like I said, it's going to be a different type of show, but before we get into it, how's everything on your end? Everything uh, it's good. Can't really complain. I'm honestly, I'm excited about this uh, episode. I mean, I'm always excited about our episodes, obviously, but mm-hmm. I think just because there's so much interesting stuff to talk about this week, and for the fact that selfishly, 21's my lucky number, always has been, <laughs> so I thought it was very fitting that this episode is going to be very wild, and it just happened to be 21. So episode 21. I'm excited. So let's get right into it. Like I said, on the last episode, you can check out, it is our coverage of Crown Jewel, which wasn't a bad pay-per-view. We go into Crown Jewel a little skeptical because Crown Jewel is a little controversial, but we got to admit it wasn't a bad pay-per-view. It had a lot of good matches, rather, rather long, but you know, that's what we signed up for. We get our $10 worth thanks to Peacock (laughs) and and the WWE Network, but let's get right into it. Uh, first flame emoji poll is for Edge versus Seth Rollins. Out of all the votes that came in for that one, 78% of you thought that match was worthy of four flames. And I got to agree, that yeah. match was a perfect way to end the trilogy between those two, which is kind of hard to do these days. Pulling off a trilogy match, especially inside Hell in a Cell, uh, in a country that's 16 hours away, definitely hard stuff to do, but they pulled it off quite well. Yeah, I I agree. And a lot of people have not really enjoyed Hell in a Cell matches lately because I feel like they've lost their luster a little bit. Very true. This was the quintessential Hell in a Cell match. It's for ending blood feuds. So this was, for once, a good way to utilize Hell in a Cell. And oh yeah, it definitely deserved four flames for sure. All right, I I can I can't help but agree with you there. But uh, also next up on the card, we had Mansoor defeating his former uh, mentor Mustafa Ali, uh, which was pretty cool because this was the first time that we had two Muslim wrestlers wrestle on a pay per view, first time in WWE history, and they were able to do it in Saudi Arabia, which is pretty cool. Um, and you guys were kind of split with this match. Thirty uh, percent gave it four flames, and thirty five gave it three flames with 20 and 15 giving it two and one respectively so you could get it was like a mixed bag of people what they thought about this match but overall it was a good match with three flames coming in at 35 percent of the votes yeah i would agree with that it was pretty decent i feel like it could have gotten four flames if it had more time but it you weren't really expecting much from it with as like quick of a build-up as it had it really only had what a few weeks if yeah. that so I'd say it was pretty good regardless. Yeah. 
Uh, next up on the card, we had RK Bro retain the Raw Tag Team Championships against AJ Styles and Almost with a nice RKO out of nowhere to creep the crowd hype. Uh, out of all the votes that came in, 61% gave it four flames. I got to say, I think this match was saved by the ending with that sick RKO yeah. with AJ Styles coming in with the phenomenal forearm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I would I think I put it at three because we talked about it on the recap. It it just felt like a match you'd see on Mondays. It wasn't special. I feel like for some reason they were holding back because they're capable of way more. But yeah, I think a lot of people gave it four because of that ending, but I think it would safe to say it was about three. All right. All right. I see where you're coming from. All right. Next up we had Zelina Vega pulling off an upset to win the first ever Queen's Crown Tournament against Dewdrop. Now, I'm surprised by the voting. For all the votes that came in, 35% of the votes, which were the most, gave it two flames. Mm -hmm. I thought the match was actually pretty good. Yeah, that, I would have given it three, too, because they, they've had good matches before. Just go back to their Worlds Collide match a few years ago. They're capable of putting on the matches, and oh, surprise surprise when the women have time to put on a match it's actually decent who would have thought and <laughs> yeah i i thought it was a pretty good match so i would have given it a three yeah that's it's just strange especially it's historical zelina vega becoming the first ever queen's crown tournament winner so she gets to gloat about that for a whole year and like you said the most interesting part of the entire tournament was that the finals match was probably triple the time of any of the other matches in the entire tournament yeah sadly which, which was uh interesting uh but next up on the card we had B goldberg defeating bobby lashley by spearing him off the stage he didn't kill bobby lashley like he promised but he came pretty damn close he speared him off the stage into like three or four tables it was pretty nuts uh, the people on the internet actually enjoyed this match out of all the votes that came in, and there were a lot of them. 43% gave this four flames, mm. and 40% gave it three. I'm sure you would probably probably given it less than that. You're not a big gold fan of Goldberg. So yeah. uh, I'm just I, mm. I'm hoping this one's over. I'm hoping to. I would have given it maybe like two and a half, two and three quarters flames. <laughs> not even for the fact of Oh, it's Goldberg. It's just, we knew why this match was a no-holds-barred. It was to cover up the fact that Goldberg cannot wrestle a five-star quality match anymore. I don't really know if he really ever could, but <laughs> still, it just, it was what you expected it to be. It was, there was barely any wrestling in it, so if you're looking for a technical masterpiece, you're going to be sorely disappointed, but it was what it was. Like you said, hopefully it's over. We don't have to deal with it for ever again, but... Yeah, I would have been close. I would have been in the high two flame emoji range. Well, at least you're being objective. <laughs> Try to be anyway. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have Xavier Woods winning the 2021 King of the Ring tournament by defeating Finn Balor. A really interesting, uh, I wouldn't say choice because as our friend Jeffrey Bridges mentioned, Woods has been lobbying to win the King of the Ring tournament for a very long time and probably is a catalyst for the reason why it came back. Uh, just that defeating Finn Balor um that's that's a feat within itself you know so yeah. not only did he defeat Finn Balor but he ended up winning the King of the Ring tournament and out of all of the votes that came in 53% of the votes gave it four flame emojis so uh, a well-liked match all around yeah I'd say so I wish it would have been a little longer because both of these men can go in the ring we've seen it mm -hmm. and I think it was just I think the right guy won. We talked about on the recap too that 
now this proves further that he Xavier wasn't the third member of New Day. He wasn't like the bottom of the barrel of the group. He mm-hmm. is just as good as Biggie and Kofi Kingston. And I'm glad that they actually gave him the time to prove that because if they didn't believe in him, they wouldn't have given him the chance, plain and simple. So I'm That's glad that true, yeah. he took it and ran with it. And now it, I think, further solidifies a new day as one of the best tag teams in history. Very true, very true. I got to agree with you there. Speaking of Big E, he took on Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship, and he was able to come away with the victory and retain his WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre, who subsequently gets moved over to SmackDown because of the draft without a championship, so he has to work his way back up. Out of all the votes that came in for the match, 64% gave it four flame emojis. I think their people are really, really enjoying Biggie's run as champion. Hopefully it's a long, legitimate run. Oh, I agree. And yeah, I think it's worthy of four flames because again, it wasn't a technical masterpiece. It was just two big guys beating the hell out of each other. And sometimes that's what fans want to see. And they didn't disappoint. All the near false finishes were perfect. They weren't overdone. It made it seem important, made them both look good. So, yeah, I'd say definitely four flames. All right. All right. And then next up, we had the triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's Championship where champion Becky Lynch figured out a way to keep the title, defeating Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair with a roll-up and then holding the ropes. It's a triple threat match, so there's no disqualification. So she was well within her right to use the ropes to get the pin. Out of all the votes that came in for the match, 53% gave it four flame emojis. This was one of more solid matches on the card for sure. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. And big time Bex finds a way to keep the title. Um, <laughs> as we found out on Friday, that turned a little problematic. But we'll definitely get to that later. But absolutely, the match deserves four flames too. The, they were all good. Every woman in that match got a chance to shine in their own way. Bianca had her strength. Sasha just being Sasha, Becky just being Becky, and that was that's big time Bex for you. Do whatever it takes to keep the title, and I think a lot of people. I'm glad that people didn't have, they didn't let the fact that I think a lot of people were expecting Sasha to win because mm-hmm. of the whole switching brands thing. I'm glad they didn't let that affect their rating mm-hmm. because we've had that happen way too many times before where. It was a really good match and even a good ending and people still didn't like it because their favorite didn't win. So I'm glad that at least on our section of wrestling Twitter with our polls, people realized it was a really good match, even though I wouldn't say the right person won, but I'm glad that they were still able to objectively realize how good of a match it actually was. Yeah, you got to wonder, though, if the which we're kind of foreshadowing what we're going to be talking about a little bit later. But you got to wonder, would things be different if Sasha Banks did win the match (laughs) and just was able to take the title back to SmackDown? No sort of no sort of big dust up of drama over the title switching, which we'll get into later. Yeah, (laughs) we'll see, but yeah. All right. So next up, the main event on the Crown Jewel pay-per-view card was Roman Reigns retaining his Universal Championship thanks to the Usos and a title belt to the skull of Lesnar. Asked you guys what you thought of the match, and out of all of the votes that came in, it broke down this way. 27% gave it four flames, 35 gave it three flames, 19 gave it two and one flames, respectively. So you guys were kind of in the upper 
top tier of the voting in terms of what you thought of the match. I'm surprised that it didn't get four flames because usually Roman Reigns matches are pretty good. Yeah, um, I I would agree. I think it would be in the three because I think the problem is, is WWE sometimes has a bad habit of overhyping the matches. And we mm-hmm. talked about that on the last episode where Michael Cole kept going on about how this is the greatest, one of the greatest matches in WWE history. And no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> never going to be because I think when most people think of best wrestling matches in history, they think of technical masterpieces, good storytelling, you know, all that fun jazz. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that with Lesnar. He's not no. a technical wizard in the ring. He's just going to beat you up, which that's fine, but that can only go so far. And yeah, I still think it was good. I thought the ending was good. Uh, clearly from SmackDown, we're not going to, this isn't, that wasn't the end of it. So no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I know you're excited to talk about that, but we'll oh, get to totally. that we'll get to that a little later remember if you want to get our full thoughts on wwe crown jewel pay-per-view all you got to do is listen to episode 20 the episode before this one it's our complete breakdown of the pay-per-view as soon as it was over what we thought of the pay-per-view the matches and all that other good stuff so make sure you check that out if you want our full analysis of wwe crown jewel But like I said, today's show is going to be a little different. We're not going to break down every single thing, but we do have something big happening. On Tuesday, NXT 2.0 is hosting its annual Halloween Havoc special that is going to be hosted by L.A. Knight. I'm excited to see what he's got cooked up. But there's a lot of stuff going on in this show. We got a lashing out with Lash Legend Halloween Havoc special. We have a mysterious superstar unveiled, and I know you have an idea of who you think that mysterious superstar is. Yeah, you could say that. Um, Well, I think they've only had two vignettes teasing this person's return. It was two weeks ago, and then last week, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I think it is safe to say, anybody who has listened to that video... Anybody who has two semi-functioning ear holes <laughs> knows that that is Dakota Kai. It has to be. It ha- the, the Kiwi accent, you can't hide the Kiwi accent. No, no matter how much you distort it, lower it, slow it down, whatever. That is absolutely Dakota Kai. And I've seen videos on Twitter where people actually took the clips and sped up the, uh, the video. And it's exactly her voice. So... If it is not her, I'm going to be very disappointed, but it also, it makes me curious as to what we're going to, what she's going to do. Is she going to come back as a heel again? Is she going to come back as a face? Because these last few vignettes have been talking about, I think the first one was, I'll bury the past so I can start again. And then last week it was reflection leads to reincarnation or something like that. So does that mean she's learned the error of her ways and she's going back to a baby phase, but just with more of an edge, like we've talked about before, or is she just going to quote unquote, get rid of Raquel Gonzalez once and for all to move on? Because I have a very bad feeling Mandy Rose is going to win this match. Okay. I really hope not, but (laughs) because I think it, I guess as a Dakota Kai fan, it would just annoy me that she couldn't beat Raquel Gonzalez for the title, but Mandy Rose could right whatever that i'm sure we'll talk about that next week but maybe mandy wins and dakota comes back and that's the new program i don't know but i just think in my heart of hearts that's dakota kai coming back i mean it has to be who else could it be ember moon ember moon doesn't have that kind of accent so yeah 
And I don't think she has the kind of star power that, like, usually they want to make sure that if they do these sort of things, that when it does come to fruition, that it's like, ooh, you know, big deal, you know? Yeah, and technically this already happened with Ember Moon before. Right, right. Last year. Yeah, you're right. So it kills me because I've seen people say it's Elias. And (laughs) it makes me laugh a little bit because you see the videos and like the screenshots and the screen grabs of these vignettes. Yeah. It's clearly a woman. It's (laughs) not Elias. It's basically boils down to Dakota or Ember. And I am 99.9% sure it is Dakota. And I told Eric before we went on, if you hear a loud noise in the distance Tuesday night, it will most likely be me if Dakota comes back because I (laughs) cannot wait for her to come back. I'm I've missed her. I think honestly NXT misses her because the women's division has been a little eh. Yeah. That's one thing I'm looking forward to seeing is how does she mesh with this new dynamic of NXT 2.0, which is completely different from what we're used to with NXT. So it's interesting if somebody's coming back, I want to see how they mesh with this new crop of talent, this new direction that NXT is going in. It's completely different from when Dakota Kai was active a couple months back. So it's going to be very interesting, I think. Yeah, I agree. 100%. And I'm excited to hear that shrieking noise of when she comes back and I go, ah, that was definitely Shay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It will be me. Yes. Um, also on the show, we have the debut of Solo Sikoa, which is pretty cool. Um, they've been throwing out vent vignettes for him as well. So I'm interested in, I'm always interested in new superstars coming in, you know, despite me kind of put off by this NXT 2.0 so far. But we've talked about that at great detail. Um, yeah. 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 One match I am looking forward uh, to is the NXT Tag Team Championship MSK versus Imperium. I really don't think MSK is going to be able to hold on to their championships this time. They pulled out uh, some impressive victories before, and maybe when they when the chips were stacked against them, but I think Imperium is just too good that maybe they want to solidify them as the tag team of this new NXT 2.0 era. Yeah, which is a shame because I really think a lot of people don't give MSK credit with this title run because they've been really good. Yeah. I don't know why people don't like them because I've seen some really like negative opinions about them on Twitter and I don't understand it because I think they've been some really good champions, but I do agree. I think after a while, Imperium's just been hounding them for God knows how long now. So I feel like it's all, it's it's a matter of time. And I think Tuesday they're finally going to take the titles, but I definitely think MSK should get more props than what they've been getting because... They've been really good with this division for a while now. Yeah, I got to agree. Yeah, it's 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 weird. But, you know, Twitter is that sort of thing where, you know, you're going to get everybody's opinion, whether you agree with it or not, whether it's warranted or not. Yeah. They're going to give you their opinion anyway. So maybe that's why MSK is not looked at favorably. But I got to agree with you. They've held their own against a lot of different tag teams and really elevated the tag team championships. Um, speaking of tag team championships, the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship will be held in a triple threat scareway to hell ladder match. Uh, the champions Io Shirai and Zoe Stark will be taking on Indy Hartwell and her best friend Persia Parada against Toxic Attractions Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Now, JC Jane had a little bit of an injury scare off a uh, Tope Suicida, but hopefully she's still good to go for this match on Tuesday. 
Yeah, I'm hoping. And this should really be a good match because we've seen it before. Io and Zoe are fantastic no matter what match they're in. Indy, mm-hmm. Indy seems to thrive in these kind of ladder, like no holds barred kind of matches. And I'm sure Persia Prado follows suit. And then I just have a horrid feeling that Toxic Attraction is going to take these titles because they have just been building up Toxic Attraction for a while now as this threatened the division and it just wouldn't surprise me if all of them have the gold at the end of the night on Tuesday. Yeah. Which I, I hope get, not. What the thing is though, I have to give them credit because their match a couple weeks ago against EO and Zoe Stark was really, really good. Yeah. Like they, it was one of those matches that started out a little clunky and they both really worked all their tails off to get it back around and actually have a really good match. So, But I'm like you. I don't know if they're ready to just dominate everything just yet. Yeah. I don't know if I bought into it just yet. I'd rather see more Io Shirai and Zoe Stark because I think we haven't gotten to see them work really much as a tag team. Maybe take the titles against more than one feud. So I really want to see that. But this is a ladder match. So hopefully the carnage will still be there. Um, I gotta say, my smart money's on Gigi Dolan and JC mm-hmm. Jane. I feel like I'm worried about where this is going. But like you said, they've been building them up. The whole group, they've been building up. Speaking of, the head of the group will be taking on Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship in a spin-the-wheel, make-the-deal match as well. Now, we're both a little nervous. Yeah. We're both a little nervous about this. I, I, I don't... And it's not that I don't like Mandy Rose. I got to give Mandy Rose credit. I felt like she's been working her butt off. Yeah. You know, she's been working her butt off. She still needs a little bit of tinkering, a little bit of seasoning, as I like to say. Yeah. So I don't know if she's ready. And I felt like if we we take the belt off of Raquel, we look back at Raquel's reign and we just go, eh, it really wasn't anything special. Yeah, that's literally what I was just going to say, that... This is a very tough match, at least for me, because I've just never been a fan of Mandy. I've never been to the degree of some people where, oh my god, I hate her, she sucks, whatever. (laughs) I've just never been a fan because, I don't know, I just have a hard time, uh, unless they're absolutely gifted in the ring. But unfortunately, we see the pattern of how this goes, where you got the pretty blondes, and that's usually it. Well, now she's brunette, so yeah. See, but that's and that's because apparently dyeing your hair is going to cover up <laughs> that fact. But I mean, I will admit, like you said, she's definitely improved in the ring. It's just, do you want to see her as the face of the NXT Women's Division? But then on the other hand, you have Raquel who is on the other end of like the whole MSK League title reign spectrum, where. It's just not been that interesting. It really no, hasn't. It really I think has. a lot of people were expecting, well, I don't think expecting wanting Dakota to win a takeover, but it's just not been good. It hasn't been terrible. It's just been, eh. Yeah, you wonder how it would be if if it was the other way around, if maybe Dakota didn't have to go away and come back and maybe she won the NXT Women's Championship. Um Again, it's it's the whole Mandy Rose aspect of it. And then you take the whole idea of they're trying to really build up toxic attraction. So why not give them all gold, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. And I feel like they're going to rush this when they shouldn't. 
Like what? they want to make Toxic Attraction the female Undisputed Era. <sighs> yeah. And yeah. It, and I don't know if it works. Mm-mm. I don't think I don't think it does. But again, it's just um, and I'm not gonna say this was single handedly because Dakota was gone, but it was a big part of it. Where since she's been MIA at home, mm-hmm. the division has not been the same. No, because you look at the pillars of this division for the last year or so, it was Io Shirai and Dakota. Easily. It was the, easily the top two mm-hmm. in the division. So once you lose one of them and you put the other in a tag team, and that's no disrespect to Zoe because Zoe's fantastic too. As singles competitors, they're both really good. It's mm-hmm. just the way they've treated the tag titles with them as the champions is just odd. And so you have Io stuck in that. You have Dakota at home doing nothing. It was just weird. And it's just sad when more people were not paying attention to your champion. They were paying attention to everybody else. That's mm-hmm. kind of a little telling, I think, where everybody's paying more attention to Io and Zoe and Indy and Dakota. And they're not paying attention to Raquel, who, all oh, guys, is the champion. So not very good. But... Hopefully that changes after Tuesday, but I'm still a little skeptical. (laughs) Well, then after that, we have the NXT championship match. Tommaso champion, the champion will be defending the title against newcomer Braun Breaker. Now, this has been a match. I don't know if it's been broken down, but a lot of people from the get go have said this match was going to happen. And they kind of use that time to see if they really can see Braun Breaker as championship material. I want to know who sees Braun Breaker as the person that can go up against Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, <laughs> I... Do you see what everybody else sees in Braun Breaker, basically? Not yet. If you give it time, probably. But mm-hmm. again, we have seen it time and time again in WWE where... If they are hell-bent on somebody, it doesn't matter if the fans aren't sold on them yet. If the upper management sold on them, you're dealing with them whether you like it or not. And I'm not saying Braun Breaker's bad in the ring. He's not. He's good. It's just, is it too soon to be putting the title on him right now? And I think it is. I just don't yeah. think it's time yet. If you want to extend the feud a little bit, that's one thing. Where you have... Braun take Tommaso to the absolute limit and Tommaso still ends up beating him because he's the veteran and whatever. And then you can extend it. That's one thing. But I just think having Braun Breaker beat somebody like Tommaso Ciampa in the first match they have, I don't know yet. I just don't, I don't, I'm not sold on it. That's, I think that's just the general theme for you and I for NXT 2.0. We're just not sold on it. And it's sad because I think for the longest time, you and I thought NXT was like the show to watch. Mm-hmm. Now it's gotten to the point where, okay, I'll just DVR it and just skip mm-hmm. through the parts I don't want to see. And that's not very good. That's yeah. not helpful. So it's a shame, but I guess we just have to get used to it. And hopefully it's just growing pains because what we're getting right now is just not what we're used to yeah. with NXT. Definitely. I have to agree with you there. I think the best thing that can happen is Braun Breaker takes Tommaso to his absolute limit to solidify that he is the real deal. He's just not on Tommaso Ciampa's level yet, Yeah. but but he has the potential to get there. But in order for him to do that, he has to really take it to Tommaso Ciampa, really take him to his limit to make it look like it has to basically look like, Oh crap. 
maybe he can take this title away from him. Yeah. Maybe we're overlooking him. Does that mean he wins? No, but sometimes in, in a loss, you can still find small victories. Exactly. And, I, and I think that's what uh, Braun Breaker has to look for. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just they can do this the proper way. It's just a matter if they're actually going to go about it or not. Very true. Very true. Well, that's our coverage for Halloween Havoc happening this Tuesday, October 26th. It's going to be on USA. It's uh, hosted by LA Knight. So this should be a lot of fun and it's Tuesday. So it's for, it's for free on TV. So you don't have to worry about signing into anything or anything like that. You can just watch it right there on TV. So it should be a lot of fun. And no peacock interruptions and problems either. Cause yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, this week in wrestling was a little jumbled because usually on Wednesday nights you have dynamite and then, you know, SmackDown and rampage, but everything was kind of out of the order with uh, over there in TBS and TNT land. So we're not going to go through SmackDown in its entirety, but really the main big story that basically everyone is talking about. And I, and I do mean everyone, which was the closing segment between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Now these two were supposed to switch titles, basically. Uh, so, uh, Becky Lynch won her match at crown jewel, so, uh, Charlotte got herself disqualified, so she kept her title. So all they had to really do was the easy swap of the titles. But it didn't really go down that way. Things got a little chippy for some strange reason, but a lot of real-life stuff happened backstage that we weren't privy to that you know came out after the fact that explained a little bit of the awkwardness that happened during the final segment of SmackDown. And you have more on that. Again, just a disclaimer, these are things that we're reading on the internet. We don't have sources. Our sources are basically the same sources you would have, which is just basically going online and Googling stuff. Yeah. um, Well, first off, the fact that we even had to have this segment was already a mistake because... (laughs) Unfortunately, we talked it into existence when we were talking about the conundrum they had with the titles. And I'm pretty sure it was, I'm pretty sure I said it, where I said, I don't want it to be like the Usos and the Street Profits last year during the draft, where they just gave each other the titles and that was it because it's a cop out. Well, apparently (laughs) somebody was listening to WWE and decided to just piss us off today. And so when they announced it, you and I were messaging on Twitter about how much this was terrible. And what this is terrible cop out. Why would we do this? This is stupid. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. Okay, well, here's the thing. Plain and simple. It boils down to this is what happens when WWE realizes you have to plan a storyline longer than a week in <laughs> advance. Yes. They have no like foresight and wherewithal sometimes in planning with these storylines. And this is what happens. But we watched it. We both said the same thing where it looked so awkward. Very, very chippy. So awkward to the point of we were wondering what was going on because there's no way they just made it like that. Like they didn't just plan that something happened because it came off as two kids on the playground that stole each other's toys. And poor Sonia was the teacher that had to like break them up. And like restore order or something. I felt so bad for Sonya and this. <laughs> it was so bad. But from all, because I was reading a lot of reports uh, mm-hmm. yesterday into today, and it kind of comes across as 
Charlotte has gained this reputation for being difficult to work with. Mm. Where she um, doesn't want to look weak. I think that was, if I remember correctly, it was either Mike Johnson or PW Insider's report basically said she didn't want to do the title swap because she didn't want to look weak. She didn't want her title reign to look weak. And they talked about it before it happened. Obviously, it still happened. And then came that part in it where I think they said they were supposed to swap the titles and like Becky was supposed to reach for it to do like the whole Becky two belts thing before Sonya told her to give the other title to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Well, Charlotte kind of pulls it away. Becky starts reaching for it and it looks very much like Charlotte just kind of throws it away yeah. from Becky. Yeah, that's what it looked like that because she just kind of tossed it. I literally, it was almost like I was watching an instant replay on a like a football game or a hockey game. Mm. I was watching it last night and my poor mom, I said, okay, you need to keep rewinding this because I'm just trying to see the camera angle because you need to see both sides of it. Was it like, was Becky in the wrong here or was it Charlotte? Right. Yeah, it looks kind of like Becky reaches for the title and may have like pushed it out of Charlotte's hands. But that flick of the wrist motion does not do Charlotte any favors. And then it goes into apparently the locker room was on Becky's side of this. And PW Insider said that Becky supposedly has no heat backstage for what happened because she was just pushed to the limit Mm -hmm. because she felt disrespected. And Charlotte's defense apparently was, oh, that was an accident. I didn't actually throw it on purpose, which that's not really a good defense. I don't know. It looked kind of weird. And And then I think the problem, too, was... Obviously, Becky felt disrespected, so I think Becky had every right to act the way she did. And honestly, I think she did handled it pretty well, because it could have been even worse. Yeah. Because supposedly, it almost got physical backstage afterwards. Because Charlotte, I guess, went backstage, didn't even acknowledge Vince, which, as we all know, Vince does not like that. And then I guess Becky kind of got in her face and stood up to her, and I think a lot of people talent at least backstage were happy about that because of the reputation supposedly charlotte is getting and again this is all we hear online so i'm not saying this is the 100 fact this is just what i've seen and heard so i obviously just formulate my own opinions off of what i see because the thing is there's always going to be one person's side the other person's side and the truth somewhere in the middle <laughs> yeah. it's just not looking good for charlotte right now because it really the perception of that segment made her look really childish and right. like diva and it really didn't do sasha banks any favors either because she's kind of an afterthought in the whole thing yeah and it was supposed to start setting up a thing between charlotte and sasha for the next few months or so probably leading up to SummerSlam or to survivor series and becky even said herself all right well i'll just i'm going to raw i'll see one of you at survivor series and then just left and yeah sasha interrupting it it almost it just felt like she got thrown to the wolves on that one because Mm. they probably just threw her out there and said yeah you need to go fix this because (laughs) this isn't Diffuse, diffuse this situation as best you can which is not fair to her because no, it's, it's not. not her fault but then so i guess becky and charlotte get into this heated altercation backstage after the show and supposedly they told charlotte to leave after or during becky's dark match so there wouldn't be any more problems because i would assume if they told her to leave they were waiting for something to get physical and Ooh. I don't blame them because if I was Becky, I'd be pissed too. 
I, well, they they did say that that she was escorted out by security, correct? Yeah, Charlotte was yes, and so Becky, I per I understand where she's coming from. If Charlotte is supposedly being as difficult as these reports are saying, and then when I'm just trying to get through the segment because I'm sure she didn't want to deal with it either. Who wants mm. a championship swap for no reason? So Becky handled it as best as she could, but then once Charlotte reportedly just throws the uh throws the title that would have been like the straw that broke the camel's back i would assume for becky so i don't blame her for standing up for herself and basically saying look this isn't okay that was a load of crap but as if that wasn't crazy enough you have andrade el idolo late friday night tweeting fuwwe yeah, that that wasn't a good look at all. And but and then the thing is, you have people saying, "Oh, well, maybe they're." He was just saying that as like a middle finger for his match with Pac because it was so good, which it was. And I guess mm-hmm. it could be seen as a, this is what you could have had if you kept both of us. But the timing of it and everything was not very good. Yeah, it's very damning. Yeah. And then because right. I looked at that and I was like, well, maybe she's causing this big ruckus ruckus over the fact that she wants to leave and go and be with Andrade over at AEW. I know it's kind of a dumb way to look at it, but I, I mean, I I don't yeah. I don't see where he comes in and he goes FUWWE. I'm like, "Ah, oh, this is kind of stupid." The the main thing is all this over swapping titles. Yeah, and the problem with that too is that she has apparently years left on her contract. Mm. You really think WWE is going to let her go? Really? Out of nowhere. Yeah, so this is if that's how she's acting it's very childish but here's the problem i feel like this wouldn't have been blown out of proportion or it wouldn't have come out the way it did if wwe would have just planned this better they kind of did it to themselves as they always do so (laughs) what did they expect to happen if supposedly charlotte has his reputation for being difficult and then you give both her and becky a garbage title swap segment that should have mm. never happened because you could have easily because i guess there was a report that charlotte wanted to lose clean to bianca on monday mm. which would have made sense because... which would it would and it would have been fine with me because that match yeah. was great yeah and then i hated it because it was a disqualification finish exactly so you would have had bianca with that title and then move to crown jewel you could have had sasha take the title off of becky and you wouldn't have had this problem mm-hmm. you created this problem because you once again refused to plan anything ahead of time and this is what you get so this is kind of on wwe because you know what you have in charlotte and her supposed reputation and you knew what you had in becky which apparently who apparently is understandably so universally loved in the locker room and this is what you did so wwe kind of got what it deserved but yeah this is not good and god only knows if you know wwe though they will continue to like they'll try to profit off of this as best as they can. So I would not be surprised if we see Becky versus Sa- or I wish Becky versus Sasha, but <laughs> Becky versus Charlotte at Survivor Series. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's gonna be as a fan. I'm like, yeah, I want to see that because now I know they're gonna they they're gonna kill each other. Yeah, they might actually go at it with each other, and that's what I want to see selfishly. But it again for me, it's just like all this over a title swap, like yeah. I mean, and Charlotte's saying that it makes her title reign look weak. Look, it's your 12th out of bajillion yeah, title reign. Exactly. You'll, you'll be okay. Yeah, you'll... like, I don't think you have to worry about that. But it's, yeah, it's just, 
ooh, it's just odd. Yeah. It's, just, it's not a good look. It's definitely not a good look for Charlotte. It's not really a good look for WWE, it seems like. The only one that came out of this really unscathed or looked at more favorably was Becky. Yeah, and that's the one thing you never want to be looked at as difficult to work with. No, because once you do, that's very damning. Yes, that's that's basically it. That could be like the, the death knell in your coffin if you're deemed difficult to work with. So you never want that to happen. Yeah, but apparently unless you're Charlotte, because she's still getting the title reigns and whatnot. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Hell, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if their punishment is to have Sasha take the title off of Charlotte at the first opportunity. Which... Oh. I wouldn't be mad at because I just don't think Charlotte should have been champion in the first place. We've talked about it at nauseum before in previous episodes, mm. but I just want Becky and Sasha. That would be a fantastic match. Their match at Hell in a Cell was great yeah. a few years ago. They have great chemistry and we've seen Charlotte and Becky way too many times before, but as they're, um, I have more on that for horsewomen i have more thoughts on that because we have a question about that for later but oh okay I'm we have a bit of, i think we have a bit of a problem with the four horsewomen but we will get into that later but yeah it was just bad all around mainly because of wwe's own doing but this is kind of what they get for not having planning at all yeah yeah well other than that um brock lesnar was suspended indefinitely because he showed up to smackdown and he wanted to beat roman reigns senseless and he came pretty damn close not only that but he threw around a couple referees a couple officials and then f5 uh wwe official adam pierce not once but twice splitting his pants (laughs) i saw that that was poor adam so, of course, he has to get suspended, which means basically Brock Lesnar is going to go away for a little bit, mm-hmm. then show up and surprise us and probably win a world title and then disappear back to Saskatchewan or wherever he's from. See, <laughs> which I, I, I'm just over it. As the listeners have known, I'm not always, I'm not really a fan of Lesnar for mm-hmm. this express reason. We've seen this every single solitary time he has come back. Somebody pisses him off, he picks <laughs> up some officials, he gets fined and or suspended, and it's over and over and over and over again, and I'm bored. Yeah. I'm over it. Like, give Roman somebody new now. Give him Jeff Hardy, give him Cesaro again, something. I'm just over the Lesnar stuff. But we'll get him back in a few months, because we can't, cannot, <laughs> so whatever. All right. Well, like I said, we're not going to go over all of SmackDown. Just those two things that were probably the most important bits of the show. We don't want to bore you guys. You know, we want this to be an engaging, fun podcast episode rather than just bore you with every single little detail that happened. So we go over to the other side of the wrestling island for AEW. Now, I said things are a little different because they had playoffs to worry about and things like that. So instead of getting Dynamite first, we got Rampage first. Really quickly, on Rampage, Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Cassidy came into the match with taped ribs that Hobbs takes advantage of. Then Hobbs starts arguing with the referee when Orange comes from behind and pins Hobbs with a mousetrap pin. And that was for the World ta- world Title Eliminator Tournament. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I think Orange I think now has to face the winner between Ten and Moxley. So... Oh, oof. Yeah, but... And- I got it. I got to say, uh, 
Moxley's promo about his his daughter yeah. on Dynamite with the Ooh. finger and everything. That was some really really good stuff. It was so good. It's like only he could make a promo about his daughter still be violent. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's just him. But with the Orange Hobbs match, I I get that AEW's thing is to have the refs be a little more lenient with the rules in WWE. Mm-hmm. But last time I checked, if you put your hand on the ref, that's a disqualification right. normally. So it was just silly. Who would have thought Hook of all people was going to be the voice of reason? <laughs> I'm sure my friend Jack enjoyed that, but we'll we'll get to more Hook questions later. But it was just weird. But I guess they needed shenanigans to happen to have Orange Cassidy believably beat powerhouse Hobbs because yeah. he wasn't just going to orange punch him once and that's it. He would have had to like punch him probably five times to put yeah. him out, but it was just weird. It was it was a decent match, but eh, that ending I wasn't really a fan of. Yeah, and I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying, and I basically boiled it down to, well, they had to make him win somehow, so best way to do it is he's distracted by the referee, and uh, he gets a mousetrap pin, and then Orange Cassidy moves on in the world title eliminated tournament. Uh, Penta Acero Melo got jumped by FTR, and then we had Britt Baker taking on and defeating Anna Jay in a pretty competitive match on both sides. What did you think about that match? I thought it was a really good match, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you always expect those matches out of Britt Baker because she's Britt Baker. Mm-hmm. Anna Jay held her own really well. I think that was probably one of her better matches so far she's had in AEW, and it's just, you always just are waiting for Britt to just plateau, but she's not. She's just mm-hmm. still getting better and better, and Hell, we'll talk about her promo work on Dynamite because, once again, fantastic promo. But it was just good. It was just really good, as we expected. But I was surprised. I will say, I'm kind of surprised that I'll already spoil it a little bit. For Full Gear, Britt's putting her title on the line against Tay Conti, which I thought was a little odd because, yeah, Britt kept putting the lockjaw on Anna Jay after her match. Mm -hmm. Tay Conti comes down to save her or whatever, picks up the title. I honestly thought they were going with Jade Cargill because I thought the last time I checked, she was the number one contender, but I guess they must have switched the contenders when I wasn't looking in the rankings. Well, I think now, I think the caveat for being so high in the rankings is that you got that buy in the TBS tournament. <laughs> yes, we will, we will get to that on Dynamite too. <laughs> I'm excited for that, but also I'm not. But we'll, you guys will know why. But no, it was, it should be a solid match anyway. Take Conti's good. Britt's always good. I guess I was just surprised by it, but it it was good. It was a really good match. Definitely, definitely. Um, and then we also had in the main event the second meeting between Pac and Andrade. I won't give away my thoughts until a little bit later because I know one of our questions that came in is what we thought of this match. But I was surprised by the ending, let's just say, yeah. with Malachi Black showing up. Yeah, and it was it was quick too because well, obviously we know Pac wins with right. the roll-up, whatever. As soon as the three and the bell hits, the lights just go off. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's paid attention to AEW for a little while knows that once the lights are off, you know who's <laughs> showing up. And it was very interesting how they kind of had him wait a little bit. And have Malachi kind of look at both of them, and we're all just sitting there like, who's he going after first? And he goes after Pac. But I, I'm hoping this doesn't mean that these two malachi and andrade are in an alliance because 
we've talked about it time and time again, how there are way too many teams and alliances and factions in AEW. For sure. But the connection, at, like, at first, at least makes sense because these two have had history in NXT, clearly. Andrade's manager back at NXT is now Malachi's wife. So, I mean, it's like there's connections all over the place and they're both mm-hmm. really good. It's just... Yeah, it's it's interesting because it actually kind of came into play during Dynamite too, which we'll get yeah. to that later. But yeah, yeah, well, yeah, right. And it's a good segue into Dynamite, which happened the next night. Uh, just a little programming note: no, Dynamite will be going back to its usual time slot on Wednesday this coming week. But for, yeah, and now it won't be so odd trying to cover the wrestling week. Yeah, because they, it was kind of throwing wrenches into our plans. Not really smart. Ah. Uh, but thankfully, it gets back on track. But we had Dynamite this Saturday, and it opened up with a really, really good match between Brian Danielson and Dustin Rhodes in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. And Brian Danielson, of course, picks up the win. But man, did he make Dustin Rhodes look good throughout this match? Yeah, and I think it surprised a lot of people at how good it was, myself included, because... I mean, you look at the match, you know who's winning right off the bat. Like, Dustin Rhodes is not beating Brian Danielson, but it was way more competitive than I expected it to be. But I think the thing is, though, too, you could kind of tell that Dustin was a little slower than Brian, Mm -hmm. but I think that kind of worked into the story because, yeah, he still got it in the ring, but he's still not on par with the rest of them, but he can still hang when he needs to. So I thought that was really good. And yeah, a really good match. We knew who was going to win. And <laughs> now I'm pretty sure, what is it now in the bracket? I think Brian's facing Eddie Kingston now. Yes, Brian is facing Eddie Kingston. And it's a good thing you brought that up <laughs> because I wonder if Eddie Kingston was supposed to win that match. I don't know. <sighs> I kind of, I wanted him to. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, that, ooh, that ending <laughs> to that match was, you knew they had to rush that match right. because. Obviously, for the listeners that didn't watch, it was supposed to be Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston in another title eliminator tournament match. But Kingston, it, it was back and forth for a little bit. And then Archer tried to go for a moonsault on the top rope, completely misses the landing and basically spikes himself. Yeah, he literally landed on his head. And then... There's like a little awkward break in the match because obviously the ref and the doctors are checking on Archer and Eddie's just kind of walking around being Eddie. (laughs) And then immediately they just roll him up and that's it. Which kind of, which you hate to say, it kind of reminds you of Steve Austin and Owen Hart where he gets spiked and quickly it's just a roll up and that's it. Yeah. Well, he, like I said, this is no exaggeration. He literally landed on the top of his head. Yeah. He didn't graze it or anything like that. No, he literally landed on the top of his head. Eddie rolled up Archer and got the hell out of there. But most importantly, I hope Archer's okay. Yeah. He probably has has a wicked headache. Oh, I'm Uh, sure. I think they said he walked out on his own power after the match, which was good. Because that could have been a lot worse. It could have been. It could have been very, very bad. It gave me sort of Hayabusa vibes. Yeah. When Hayabusa oh, yeah. went went for that that uh, that moonsault and he landed on his forehead. Yeah. Kind of gave me those kind of vibes. And but I hope he's okay and I hope he's not out of action too long. But in the hindsight, it does give us Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson, cool. which is going to be insane. It's I like a, it's wait. like a, it's a, it's another dream match of mine. I don't know. I as much as I love Malachi Black, 
Brian Danielson has been killing it with these matches, man. Oh, even, yeah. Even more so than CM Punk, in a way, yeah. who, who has his first Dynamite match coming up this coming week against Bobby Fish. Which should be really good, too. Which should be really good, because Bobby Fish is actually getting to show that, hey, I'm not just an afterthought of the Undisputed Era. I can mm-hmm. actually go in the ring. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. Um what else went down? Like we said earlier, Britt Baker will defend the AEW Women's Championship against Ty Conti at full oh, gear. That promo. That promo. It's, I love how it doesn't matter what promo Britt's doing. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who she's talking to. There is always one line in every promo she has that it's just it takes it over the top. And <laughs> this time, it was just... Well, you know, the only thing after doing some research, the only thing that you've done is just show your ass on like for everyone to see. And it's like, oh, Britt, you're going there. You are going there. Yikes. And she even went after Jay Cargill on Twitter. I saw it before we came on where uh, it was she was Britt was quoting somebody that talked about her match with Thunder Rosa. And then Jay Cargill out of nowhere started going about how, how i look better than you and whatever you know being jay cargill whatever mm-hmm. and Britt just absolutely destroyed jade basically saying you know i've been doing this before you decided to play wrestler and since you're so obsessed with my ass or whatever why don't you just go ahead and kiss it so wow. they're setting up something with those two i think too but oh yeah it's it should be a really good match of full gear though i think Hope so, hope so. Uh, Also in women's action, we had Ruby Soho defeat Penelope Ford in the TBS tournament. This happened because Knox called Ford trying to use the brass knuckles and kicked them out of the ring. Ruby came from behind and rolled her up for the win. And uh, Ford and the bunny were going to jump Ruby Soho, but the numbers were evened out by Red Velvet. So uh, Ruby Soho moves on in the TBS tournament. Not that we didn't see that coming. But she's going to have to take on Chris Statlander. So it looks like your heart is going to be torn in two. I I am in a crisis right now because I wanted one of these two to win the title. I just didn't think they were going to have to face each other until the finals. Yeah. The second damn round of the tournament. And it didn't even make, they couldn't even let me wait. They couldn't have the other three first round matches first. No, we just had to like throw me into crisis mode. (laughs) First match right off the bat. Either way, I'm excited for it because I know they both are just going to put on a great match. Mm-hmm. I oh, it sucks because I uh, I love both Statlander and Soho, and I don't know if uh, it's tough for me because I feel like Statlander definitely has earned it because how many times have you heard the commentary team and people saying it's only a matter of time before she's champion? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, Ruby could benefit from it too, but she just had a title match not too long ago. So I don't really know what's going on. Um, I guess if I were to eh, quote unquote fantasy book it is they both are going back and forth. And just when it looks like Ruby's about to win, Bunny and Penelope cost her the match to keep that feud going. Ooh. Because it doesn't seem like it's over yet. I don't think no. it's over. So I wouldn't be surprised and obviously you have the bunny facing red velvet. So that kind of ties those two together, but I wouldn't be surprised or I'm just, I guess, hoping that that's the way Ruby loses. Cause I just don't want Statlander to lose clean, but I don't want Ruby to lose clean either. But I think that could 
further that feud along because again it's not it's not over it's still going mm-hmm. but because then let's be honest you look at the bracket they have now the that section of the bracket the winner of ruby and statlander is going to have to face because then it's serena and akarushita and then whoever wins that faces nyla rose and then whoever wins out of that one faces the winner of ruby and chris so it's most likely going to be nyla rose let's be honest because why wouldn't it be (laughs) so i'd be more interested i guess to see statlander and nyla because they both are pretty equal in terms of strength and size so i don't know it's just i'm in a crisis because i love both of them so it's gonna it's gonna be great but it's gonna suck at the same time it sounds like you're in a crisis for sure. Yeah, like I, I knew, I knew once I saw it happen, I was like, man, that's gonna be tough for her to figure out who she wants to win. But <laughs> my poor mom, she said, they're not giving you a break, are they? No, it no, doesn't seem they're like not. it. <laughs> really doesn't not. Doesn't seem like it. No. Um, next week on uh, Dynamite, Sammy Guevara puts the TNT title on the line against Ethan Page. If Page wins, not only does he become TNT champion, but Sammy must leave the inner circle. Now, if Sammy wins, the inner circle chooses who from American Top Team joins the men of the year for their 10-man tag match at full gear. So that's something to look out for. Look I, th- I think to. we know who's winning that. I think. I think I think Sammy's going to come away with the victory. I don't see him yeah. leaving inner circle anytime soon. So no. nothing to get afraid over. Uh, Jungle Boy got the win over Brandon Cutler, but was jumped from behind by the super click who then threw him off the stage. Yeah, that was uh that was wild. They they literally yeeted him yeah. off the stage. Yeah. They, just think of that way. Just basically took him, launched him off the stage, and it was like, wow, they really did that. Yeah. And then we have the main event. Now, this was I don't know if this was talked about as much as I like to think it was talked about, but it was a third and hopefully final meeting between Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black. I I yeah. tried I tried to find the positive in the match. Maybe there was good some good ma- match work, but man, this match wasn't it wasn't good. Cody Cody literally kept getting up from offense that would knock anybody else out. I mean, how he didn't even sell the the kick, the spinning heel kick. He, he did it. Didn't and it's like, okay. I knew this was going to be the the segment that you and i were going to go off on because <laughs> oh i the more these two faced each other the more worried i got that cody was going to win at some point and here's my problem malachi is without a doubt one of AEW's most popular talent right now bar none mm-hmm. just look at the merch sales all of that he's easily one of the more popular guys he is in, at least to me, the same category as Brian Danielson, where going into this, they were both undefeated, and Brian Danielson's still undefeated. Whoever beats him, it's a big deal because mm-hmm. it's Brian Danielson. So, in my mind, whoever beat Malachi, that should have been a big deal, a star making moment. Cody did not need to beat him. I don't get it. It would have been way more entertaining like you and i said last night if malachi would have beat him for a third time and then he just goes ballistic and like beats up arn anderson and the nightmare family or something why did what did we we didn't need 
this at all. Why did we have Cody have to come from behind, be the underdog that apparently he always has to be when nobody wanted it? Just listen to the crowd reaction when he hit the crossroads the first time. They booed him out of the building. The crowd hated it. The crowd they hated did, it. and rightfully so, because again, if this would have been like Darby Allen or somebody like that, or like Jungle Boy or Dante Martin, it would have made so much more sense because that could further establish them mm-hmm. as stars. Not Cody. What did Cody benefit from winning that? <laughs> And what did Malachi benefit from losing? I mean, obviously, it's not going to really hurt him because he's Malachi. It's not, if anything, it's going to actually, I think, get him more sympathy. But what was really the point? But I will say, though, Malachi had a post on Instagram Mm -hmm. yesterday, I'm pretty sure. And it kind of played into what my feelings of that match, and I'm sure yours as well, because he said... The entire world is a graveyard, and if you think this is about putting my shoulders on the mat, you're rudely mistaken. My job was to destroy you in your world. The entire world hates you, and you've become the beast I set out to make you, and I was willing to sacrifice my blood for it. Enjoy the seeds I planted for months. House always wins. Yeah, because now there's no recovery from that in terms of Cody Rhodes getting booed. Nobody's going to stop booing him. The yeah, boos are probably going to yeah the boos the boos are probably going to be even worse now. So I'm glad that they at least turn that in it kind of it kind of reminds me almost of uh Britt baker and thunder rose's unsanctioned match mm. thunder rosa won but Britt was the one everybody was talking about right so cody wins and everybody's gonna be more sympathetic without with malachi and that post right there is exactly what because he said it from the beginning i will plant the seeds of destruction in the nightmare family and tear you guys from the inside out and he basically just said you did exactly what i expected you to do and even in defeat i still win so i'm glad they at least did that but i just hated seeing him lose because it wasn't the big moment that it should have been because cody didn't need to he didn't need it it just would have been way more interesting if he had lost but Yeah, I got I got to agree. I think that's the main point is that um I don't think that Cody needed the win. Not only that, but he he wasn't even selling some of the offense that he no. should have been selling. And it, th- that's what kind of made the match for me go, "Well, this match isn't that good." Cuz you know me, I always try to find the positive in something. But I just kept watching and kept watching it, and when it would start to get good, Cody would do something that would just take me out of the match. It just gets pretentious i always say it with cody i always Mm -hmm. end up having to say it's pretentious like very we get it we get that you're cody rhodes and this and that and whatever and you're you i don't know why he always feels the need to play the underdog when he is not an underdog in any of these situations ever he's literally one of the bosses exactly it's like and we're not we're not also saying though that oh well because he's an evp he's winning these matches it's like we're not those people no it's that it has nothing to do with him being an evp winning the matches it's just it makes no sense and you know that he's gonna come out on dynamite next week and he's gonna try to cut one of those impassioned promos and i hope (laughs) the crowd where is it again i don't um trying to remember wherever they are more than likely is going to boo him out of the building before he even spe- like speaks a word. Yeah, because he's going to try to cut one of those Braveheart speeches, you know, yeah. rallying the troops. We beat the other guys in the demo. They say we couldn't have done it. Da 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 da. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing with AEW 
that is my one negative is that they really aren't humble about no. about their victories. They, no. They need to be a little bit more humble. I think I think Eric Bischoff hit it on the head when he said, just just wrestle. Just yeah. shut up and wrestle. Yeah. Like you, know? you look like I've said it before, you AW looks like the little brother that wants the big brother's attention being mm-hmm. WWE. And yeah, WWE started it because I think way back when it was I think Triple H just said that AW is just a pissant company that <sighs> Vince was gonna buy at some point. So that's understandable, but okay, we get it. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't need to toot your own horn because the product speaks for itself. You don't need again, if you win say more if you lose say less Mm -hmm. and granted yeah you won the 18 to 49 demographic but you didn't win overall smackdown still beat rampage i'm pretty sure overall with the viewers so that rating stuff it always just drives me nuts that's why i don't pay attention to it and i hate the whole well you're either one or the other it's like no we've said it time and time again and i feel like we're gonna have to keep saying it time and time again just be a fan of wrestling yeah like, it's not that difficult. I mean, yes, WWE is, for the most part, not very good. It's, <laughs> it's it's a mess. But I still have people there I enjoy watching when they're on TV, first off. And AEW, obviously, I have people I enjoy watching on AEW. So you can enjoy both. It's okay. It's okay. It's, you're not going to hurt anybody's no. feelings. Well, you might hurt some people's feelings, but <laughs> who cares? Just enjoy what you want to enjoy. For sure. But uh, I think that covers everything we wanted to cover throughout the wrestling week. Uh, like I said, it's a little different. We didn't want to break down every single thing and bore you with that stuff. Just the yeah. main topics. But I felt like we had enough meat that we uh, had enough to cover. And it would be good for the listener. And remember, you can always throw in your opinions and everything. You can hit us up on Twitter at Ringside Rundown whenever we tweet out anything for questions and let us know what your opinions on some of these things are. Or if you're listening to this, hop on Twitter, let us know. Hey, I'm listening to the episode. What about this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, stuff like that. We really can use your input. And that's why it brings us to my favorite segment of the show where we get to answer some questions, right? Yes, and we have quite a few because um, as we tweeted out uh, yesterday, any questions we had last week, we were going to answer here too, because obviously technical difficulties struck again, whatever, blame <laughs> IHG hotel Wi-Fi, but whatever. So we have a couple questions from last week, and then we have plenty more questions for this week too. So let us just get right into it. So the first question from last week came from my mom. So mom, mm. thank you for your question as always. She said, if I were a fan, a new fan to professional wrestling, would you mm. suggest watching consistently AEW or WWE and why? I would actually go with both. Yeah, I, I it. Yeah, I agree. I, I would go with both because both are two totally different types of uh, both are professional wrestling, whether WWE wants to admit that's what they are or not. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a different science behind their professional wrestling. And once you can dissect that science, it, it can sometimes be very, very interesting, especially when they go against the grain on some of the things that they do. The one downside is that I think if you watched uh, WWE, you're almost preconceived, like you're preconditioned to have these ideas that wrestling is going to happen this way. And then when it doesn't happen in AEW, it's kind of a shock to the system. No pun intended. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so. I feel like the best way, if somebody wanted to get into professional wrestling, 
is just watch everything that you possibly can because there is so much wrestling and not even WWE or AEW. There's stuff in Japan that's completely different from what they do here in the States, not only with their regular men's wrestling, but the Japanese women's wrestling, Joshi wrestling is something that is very spectacular that everybody should, you know, check out if they want women's wrestling, that's supposed to be hard hitting and a contest and a competitive sport. There's so much in wrestling that you could take away as a competitive sport that I would say, watch as much as you can. Don't single yourself out because you're going to miss something good. Uh, from one that you should be paying attention to. Yeah, and you made a very good point, and I'll go off it a little more. If you're looking at AEW and WWE specifically, both of them, if you want grand spectacle sports entertainment, you watch WWE, but if you want actual professional wrestling, you watch AEW. Mm -hmm. You need to get both. And like you said, you need to also branch out to New Japan, Impact, Ring of Honor, AAA. For sure. There's basically any it's like we say all the time there is a type of wrestling for everybody somewhere Mm -hmm. you just have to find it but yeah if i had to pick between AEW or wwe i'd still say both because again wwe has been the top for a while and just has the capabilities of putting on these grandiose events and the spectacle of it all and it's more entertainment than it is wrestling there's still wrestling in there but they tend to focus more on the entertainment aspect of it, obviously, because they call it sports entertainment, not pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. AEW, yeah, they have a little bit of a spectacle themselves, but focus more on what's going on in the ring. So I'd say both as well, because you need to get all sides of the spectrum when it comes to wrestling and just and go out to everything else, too, because there is literally everything you could possibly think of somewhere. If you're into I mean, death matches. God knows there's enough promotions with deathmatch wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So it just depends on what you're looking for. But yeah, I'd say both. Because we literally just said it in the last segment. Don't just say, oh, well, I'm just this promotion or that promotion. You can you can be a fan of more. Yes, please, <laughs> please be a fan of more. Yes. Please what, be a fan of more. That's what makes the wrestling world better when you like more than one thing and aren't just pigeonholing yourself because you are just preventing yourself from seeing so much more yes so i agree so that's i would say definitely both so the final few questions from last week come from jack my friend jack so jack thank you for the questions his first one was the one that i was very excited to talk about which was do you think the four horsewomen take too much of the focus in the wwe women's division yes yeah (laughs) yes i do yeah Yeah, because I was saving this a little bit when we were talking about the whole Sasha and Charlotte and Becky thing, because the problem with WWE is when they make these established stars, and it's not just the women's division, it's the men's too, but in the women's division specifically, you have these established stars Mm -hmm. like Charlotte Flair, like Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch and Bayley. When they establish these new stars, it's almost like if one tiny teeny thing doesn't go the way they planned they panic and immediately oh let's go back to old reliable because we know that they're good and we know that they changed the game and they're always going to be good that's fine but you need some more people around them as well you just can't continuously throw sasha and bailey and charlotte and becky in matches and expect people to care anymore because Mm -hmm. People are already souring on a potential Becky and Charlotte match at Survivor Series. 
because we saw it how many times and granted people would be i guess more excited for sasha and becky but again we've seen this how many times before Mm -hmm. same thing when bailey was in there they were all kind of interconnected regardless of if they were hurt or not and it's like guys there are way more people in your divisions that are capable of like going up and rising to the occasion against these women and i'm not saying the four horsewomen should just disappear from tv you can still have them in these storylines but you also need to focus on some of the other women you have you have people like Shayna baszler you have people like rhea ripley Liv morgan you have these people that are capable of being just as good as the four horsewomen you just don't give them enough time because well the four horsewomen are reliable they know what i know what that's the problem with Vince. He knows what he has with them. Mm-hmm. So he's just going to run them till the wheels fall off. But yeah. that's so counterintuitive because you need the other women there as well. Perfect example for the Queen's Crown Tournament. We ripped it to shreds because none of the matches lasted almost two minutes, maybe mm-hmm. three, which is garbage. <laughs> if, if you had the four horsewomen in there, they would have gotten 10 minutes easily. You know they would have. Oh, yeah, for sure. So you need to give the other women some time as well. And again, funny enough, what happened in the fo- in the tournament finals with Zelina and Dewdrop, they gave them enough time and the match was pretty good. I and it so. was sad because the bar was so low that they could have had an average match and it would have been fantastic to people because the rest of the tournament itself was trash by comparison. So you need to give these other women more time. And I forgot to Naomi. Every it seems like every other month Naomi's trending on Twitter and they just refuse to do anything with her really and I hate it because I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what's the situation with her and Sonya Deville like it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me it's just like they're beefing with each other for some strange reason but yeah. you know like I said it that's the main thing if I ask you why is this happening and you can't give me a direct answer as to why this is logically happening it's confusing yeah and it just you pull your hair out because you see the storylines that the four horsewomen are in and the other women in comparison it's terrible they're it's bad yeah and it it's annoying because you are clearly capable of putting together good storylines with the women and it can actually include somebody more than Mm -hmm. sasha becky bailey and charlotte like you mean to tell me you don't think if you put Rhea or Liv or Shane or Naomi in a same quality storyline like the four horsewomen and they wouldn't do good, you know they would do good because we've seen what they are capable of when they are given the proper time. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on. It just, it drives me nuts. They just hmm. need to stop relying on the four horsewomen all the time because after a while, people are going to get really annoyed with it. And I kind of can feel they're starting to already. Yeah, I believe they are. So yes, that's the answer to that question. Yes, they are taking up a lot of space in the division and not good, but um, has Roman Reigns helped elevate his opponents? Oh, of course. Yeah, I'd say I, so. I, 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 And it's funny that you bring that up because he, he basically talked about it on SmackDown this Friday. And when he questioned Paul Heyman's loyalties, it kind of turned into like one big giant gloat fest um, where he's talked about, you know, I pinned Edge, I pinned Daniel Bryan, I pinned Finn Balor, Cesaro, basically, and Brock Lesnar, John Cena. Yeah. John Cena, hello. Uh, But I think anytime 
you're in a match with Roman Reigns, your your status goes up. I mean, look at the matches he had with his own cousin. Yeah. Who's primarily a tag team wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, he had some really, really good storytelling matches with his cousin that went on for months. Main event, Jay. So, like. you know, there you go. There's, there, you know, it's just that's the main thing about this whole uh, tribal chief thing that I'm enjoying is that it's telling a story, which each chapter, each chapter is telling a story. This chapter was what is the loyalty of Paul Heyman? Who knows yeah. what the next chapter is going to be because Brock Lesnar is suspended. So somebody else is going to step up. But they always seem to figure out, whoever steps up, how they can make a competent, logical storyline. So that's why I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah, and I think, too, the problem is is that, for like example, we'll just say Roman and Finn's feud. Finn, granted, yeah, he went to the finals of the tournament, but I think a lot of people... They would have expected Finn to just kind of get cast aside after a while because that's kind of how it's always happened. Mm-hmm. And the problem is people are so quick to blame Roman because, oh, well, you beat him. So now he's just back to irrelevancy. Don't blame Roman for that. Blame WWE for once again refusing to just let these superstars rebound and take the momentum. Because we said before, you can lose a match and still come out better on the other side. Yeah, storyline sure. wise wwe just kills the momentum dead in its tracks sometimes because okay well they lost and we have no plans for them so that's it that's not roman's fault like you said every single superstar roman has been in the ring with for the last almost two years has definitely been elevated Finn, cesaro seen well, obviously cena because i mean cena cena but it's like he hasn't had a bad feud for a while now no. And it's not his fault that sometimes, like, Cesaro, best example, where Cesaro been after he lost? That wasn't Roman's fault. That's WWE's fault for not giving him something else to do and trying to capitalize off the momentum of his match because people love the match they had. WWE mm-hmm. just, okay, well, we're done with that now, so let's just focus back on Roman and whatever with Cesaro. Don't blame Roman for that. That was <laughs> creative's problems, but... Yes, Roman definitely has elevated his opponents, and he continu- he will continue to, and hopefully we'll just get some new challengers for him now that the draft's finalized and whatnot. And honestly, though, I think it looks like it might be Drew McIntyre, which I would <laughs> I would not have picked him first, especially since he just got out of a title program with Big E. But I digress. Either way, it's going to be something new. Hell, Roman might help revitalize Drew. Who knows? But I just can't wait to see maybe another program with Cesaro or maybe they have Roman and Jeff Hardy. That would be exciting. I'd look Mm. forward to that. Roman, Jeff Hardy. Okay. But we'll see. But yes, the short answer to it is yes. Roman has definitely elevated his opponents since he's won the title. All right. Um, all right. We're on some AEW now. So (laughs) it feels like CM Punk is done with team Taz conveniently avoiding hook. (laughs) What is next for punk? It looks like Bobby fish. It looks like it. And then it's only a matter of time before we're going to get like a decent, like a longer feud with Punk. It's just a matter of yeah, who's yeah. going to be. Yeah, I really, I, I really can't wait to see when that is going to happen and who that's going to be. Because I, 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 not that I'm not enjoying these one-off matches. I actually am enjoying the one-off matches. Yeah. But I, I am, I'm waiting to see what he can do when he, you know, gets on the microphone and has to cut a promo and take shots at somebody. You know, I'm, I'm really anxious to see how that's going to look. 
Because you know, I mean, could you imagine the promo material between Punk and MJF? Oh my gosh. Oh my God. They would blow each other up. Yeah, for sure. So I, I honestly don't know. I'd like to see it's going to be somebody up and coming. I have a feeling because that's what Punk said from the start. He wants to work with these younger guys who have the passion that he had stamped out years ago. So imagine programs with, again, him and MJF, Jungle Boy. His thing with Darby was great. So the one-off matches aren't a problem. It's just at some point there's going to have to be a feud where you fully let CM Punk be CM Punk for more than a week. For sure. And I think there's not going to be a problem when it comes to doing that because there's so much freedom in AEW to just be who you are and be what got you to the dance. Um, that he's not going to have a problem figuring out what to say and what to do against whoever. Um, it's just, you know, we want to see him. We want to, we want to get invested into a story now. Yeah. You know, we've, exactly. we've seen him, we've seen him in the ring. We're happy that he's back in the ring. We're happy that he's an active competitor. We're just waiting to see what, uh, what story he can get into that we can get invested in. And could you imagine, I know we've said it before, but I'll say it again. Could you imagine Malachi Black and CM Punk? Oh, that's the match I'm looking forward to the most. Like, give it to us, please. Yes. The promo material for that would be fantastic as well. They're both so good on the mic. It would just, oh, I can't wait. I hope it happens sooner rather than later, but I would not mind waiting for it if it eventually happens. It's going to happen. Oh, I hope. Hmm. And his last question from last week was, who is our favorite commentary team? His is Excalibur and Hook's dad. (laughs) (laughs) I have to go with uh, Excalibur, Hook's dad, and uh, Ricky Starks as well. Um, I, I just, I really enjoy a commentary team that explains the action, you know, um, you know, calls moves, you know, understands the psychology of certain moves, Mm -hmm. the scientific reasoning behind certain moves. I really enjoy that stuff. And I feel like Taz is really, really good at that because he's been in the ring. And so is Excalibur, who's like an encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge. Um, I think they both play off each other very good. They're both entertaining, very funny. Um, Even when Taz is mouthing off stuff that doesn't make any sense <laughs> just jumbles jumbles along yeah yeah it's all it's all very good um i don't necessarily mind jr but yeah. i i do feel like jr sometimes can turn into that old man that yells at cloud yeah a lot, you know where like yeah. why is why is the referee getting order here yeah. you know something like that it's just you know but for me my favorite commentary team is definitely uh excalibur and hook's dad i would i would agree and then just to have a different answer obviously because i just want to be like yeah that's that i agree and then we move on i would <laughs> say for like entertainment purposes i'm always entertained by michael cole and pat mcafee oh for sure because you have two ends of the wrestling spectrum <laughs> with them you have cole who yeah i've been here for years and yeah this is nothing new and then pat's just happy to be there and he's a fa- and it's a, i think that's what i love about it he's a fan first and foremost yeah. and you can tell he's a fan because he has the same reactions you and i would have at home i mean hell, I, he's, I just... he's dancing on the table or the announce table every time shinsuke nakamura comes out so who's done I've... that I just know, like, it, for me, if I had to do commentary, I'd be so afraid of Vince McMahon yelling in my ear. But yeah. Pat, Pat McAfee is not afraid to just be himself. No, Pat doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> He's just going to do it. And I think that's more for 
like the entertainment aspect. I like I said, Excalibur and Hook's dad. I like more for the they break the matches down for you and don't add for the most part unnecessary like fluff to it. Yeah. Then you have Cole and Pat just for the entertainment purposes because it's like you have this young excited guy and Cole's just like I don't know what to do with you (laughs) like I don't know what's going on and it's just funny how they play off of each other I think it's worked really well because at first you see that and you think okay how could this even work and it just works they just go off of each other and I think Michael Cole's even said this is the most fun I've had calling things since Pat came in so that's really cool so I agree with that so yeah I would say those are our favorite commentary teams for sure so now we get into this week's questions and mom asked, what did we think about the Andrade and Pac match? I thought it was a candidate for match of the year, very hard hitting. And she even said, it's a very close tie between that and Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa for her, for her favorite AEW match. And you know, wow. this is a Britt Baker DMD household. So for her wow. to say that was, yeah. Okay. I love the match. The match mm-hmm. was great. Yes. I hated the ending. I didn't like the ending. I didn't yeah. like the roll up finish was just too quick. Mm-hmm. And then the lights go out. Malachi Black shows up for some reason. And what this implies is, is that Malachi Black can be bought. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if I like that feeling that, you know, he can be bought. I feel like he's better as a lone wolf that has no allegiance to anyone but himself. Yeah, and, selfishly, and... selfishly, I kind of hope he does that thing where, at the very end, he turns on Andrade and he's just said, "I just used you for my own personal gain." That's something Malachi would do. Yeah, which would be great. I would actually be on board with that. Um, but as far as the match, man, what a match oh, those two had with each so other. It, it's kind of like they just knew. I don't know if they've ever wrestled in the past before. But it felt like they know each other so well that they could wrestle with their eyes closed. Yeah, and it was even better than their first match. I way, think. Oh, way better. They used so... It was such a wide variety of moves they used. They used... Oh, some of those spots looked so bad. I felt bad for Andrade after a while because it's like, how do you not have a broken tailbone after all the times you landed on the side of the ring? Oh, yeah, when he did that, like, oh. that that springboard <laughs> over and then he went to do that drop kick. Yeah. And then, and then Pac moved out of the way and he just goes spilling to the outside. I was just like, oh, man, that had to oh. hurt my tailbone. Yeah, it, but it wasn't... It was a very good mix because if you can achieve this mix it always is a good match where you have the technical aspect of the wrestling and then the brutal parts Mm -hmm. and more often than not it's one or the other it's either a technical masterclass or it's just two people just beating the shit out of each other right this was both and (laughs) my god did it work so well it really did i hope they have another match because well they have to it's a rubber match they both won now yeah and and we kind of saw at the at, at dynamite where uh, where Andrade tried to get involved, Pat came from behind and kind of ran him off. Yeah. So I don't think they're done yet. I don't yeah. think they're done. Yeah, I that roll up too. I agree though. I that match just had me amped up, and then right with that roll up, I said, "Damn it! Why did it have to end like that?" I didn't yeah. didn't like that. And then the lights went out, and I said, "Okay, well Malachi's <laughs> here. Whatever." You knew he was, was going to go after Pac. It just it just seemed kind of obvious to me, but. Yeah, I don't know. I hope, like you, we said earlier, it kind of turns into that thing where Andrade thinks he has an ally and then Malachi just destroys him at some point, too, and said, you know, the House of Black doesn't need anybody else. Yeah. That's just us being us. I mean... I think that's a good way to put it. So, 
hopefully that's how that goes. But no, I thought that was a fantastic match. That was a really, really good, especially for a Rampage, too. That was fantastic. Rampage has some sneaky good matches. And that was definitely one of them. That was just... That was good. That was just good from start to finish. It was... Even the first, like, minute of it, just just watching the first minute, you knew, okay, this is going to be a fantastic match the whole mm-hmm. way through. And it did not disappoint at all. I cannot wait until they wrestle again, because you know they're going to. I would love to see it at full gear. And I kind of hope they just don't have a stipulation with it. They just let those two just run wild in a regular match, like, the last few times. And, yeah. oh, it'll be. I cannot wait for that. I can't. It's going to be good. Oh, yeah. Um, All right, let's see. So, Jack had a few questions, also. (laughs) Forget another wrestler's music hitting. Is Hook the new biggest distraction to wrestlers? (laughs) It sure seemed like it. It seemed like it last (laughs) week. It seemed like it on Rampage. Oh, man, these Hook questions are I mean, to defend... To defend Hook a little bit, he was trying to be the voice of reason, okay? He was trying to calm Hobbs down. He said, look, don't don't touch Remsburg because you're going to have a problem. And <laughs> he was trying to help, but just don't think it helped him too. It kind of went backwards on him, but I don't know. I mean, Man. he might be. Oh, Hook. Oh, <laughs> what we always say. Oh, <laughs> he always has to send me a hand as a Hook question. I love it. <laughs> it's always we need those lighthearted questions too because sure. some of these can get a little I just heavy can't, I, I just can't wait till hook's very first match and he mm. just blows everybody away right he's just gonna have a five-star classic right out of the game um, you, that's what they're oh. waiting for oh i hope so i hope um <laughs> so yes he might be jack you never know we'll wait i think the jury's still out we have to see if a little more uh, a little more a hook to see maybe if he's a distraction but I don't think he is just need a little bit more hook he was just trying to help That's I'll say that he was trying to help it just didn't <laughs> work um, now this one I thought was rather interesting what was the worst wrestler music change for him it was Randy Orton not using burning my light anymore oh wow I know this is, I was thinking about this too and I'm trying to come up with something and oh man oh. I can think of two specifically um i remember i remember keith lee when they changed keith lee's theme i was was, pretty bummed i was gonna say keith too i said yes because it just you go from the hip-hop rap kind of sound that just was him and the crowd loved it like the crowd always did the whole oh like keith lee thing in the beginning to like a generic rock song that you could find Mm. on like 2k 12 like 21 or something yeah bad and this new one isn't bad at least i kind of went back to the hip-hop roots but uh, i just i don't know i don't know keith keith lee's one of them um didn't they they just changed sammy Zayn's music too Um, i think so yeah yeah um I remember when they when they changed Shinsuke's music so that way he couldn't you couldn't do the sing along anymore. Oh, that hurt. That hurt. That that hurt. Um, I'm trying to think. I think when they oh my person when they changed Malachi's music when he was still Alistair Black. Oh yeah. They went from Root of All Evil to it was still like him but it just wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't Root of All Evil and being that the. The singer on Root of All Evil is one of, in one of my favorite bands. I was like kind of bummed out about that. Yeah, I love yeah. Incendiary. So it's like, uh, I was kind of bummed about that. But I'm I, you know what though? Like I feel bad because like these new crop of uh, of 
themes, they're just not that good. No. Um, I I will admit, I always the two that I remember specifically before I get into like another example of changing it was uh Shayna Baszler's song in the Mayon Classic. I think just like fit her. It was that like mm-hmm. brutal, gonna knock your face in kind of thing. The new one it took me a little bit to get used to. The one she uses now, loyalty is everything. Uh-huh. Now I love it, but it's just you just get so used to a certain song being associated with a wrestler, and then when they change it, it's like, oh, come on, like, what the heck? But then one that I think worked was Dakota Kai's, where you her baby face theme was not going to fit her as a heel. Right, yeah, I do remember that theme. And it was just, I think it was just jarring, because you went from happy-go-lucky baby face to this hard rock kind of sound and again it took me a little bit to get used to it but now i think it's fantastic like you want to run through a wall when you hear it yeah and they they kind of did the same with uh johnny gargano yeah his theme too is another one that they changed and i was kind of like i I mean i like the new theme now it's grown on me but i did like his one beforehand it just takes some it takes some getting used to i remember i remember i went to nxt takeover philly and that was the match he had against uh, Andrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember when that theme hit, it was like you thought you thought it was the Rocker Stone Cold. It was like yeah. the whole building just exploded. And it was so loud, you couldn't hear anything. And then they went and changed it. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm very jealous that you got to go because you got to witness probably one of my favorite matches ever which is oh. adam cole and alistair black in the hardcore match oh yeah yeah oh, I, re- I love that match i remember i remember that was the first time seeing oh. alistair black live and i was just like oh this is so awesome that was so good that was such a good match i love that one um but another like theme that i can remember i didn't like was it kind of was a prolonged change where they had baron corbin's end of days to whatever the heck this is now yeah (laughs) i didn't even mind his first one in nxt like it fit him and then when you went to end of days it kind of took me a little bit because it's like okay this this isn't bad but then they had to start adding like the royal stuff into it and i said okay this is kind of whatever and then you went to the happy corbin stuff and it's just trash like i hate it i think i gotta agree with you there with the with the Baron Corbin, that was a big change too that I didn't like too much. I'm trying to think if there were some more. Um, trying to think back in the day. Um, well, I this might get me canceled on Twitter possibly, but because I know everybody loves this song because they were waiting for the right time to bring it back. But I guess I was always so used to Jeff Hardy's old theme that when he went to No More Words, I'm like, <laughs> what the heck. Not a big fan of No More Words, huh? I'm not. It, the problem is, I like it. It's a good song, and apparently, obviously, everybody else does. But when I hear that other song, I think I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it's Temp. I think it's called Tempest. I think it's a licensed song, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear that now, I think of Jeff. Right. Because Jeff is one of my favorite wrestlers, if not my favorite wrestler of all time. So I was so used to hearing that that when I went to No More Words, I went, "What is this? <laughs> this is weird." But I wouldn't say I hated it. It's just, I've again, I think that's just the problem. If a wrestler has a certain song and you're so used to it and then they change it, you're like, what the heck's going on? Why'd you change it? That was cool. And then, eh. You know, I heard they're thinking about changing Carrying Cross's theme. Yes, I was about to say that too. And I'm going to be mad because that's such a good song. 
It is. It's such a good song. Like, well, we're so used to rock music too. Like, we're super into. Like, I think it's safe to say most of our like favorite wrestling themes are all something that sounds like a rock song. Well, yeah, something that like Aleister Black or Malachi Black would listen to. Yeah, would probably be something that I would listen to. That's why he used to put out monthly playlist on Spotify. Yeah. And it was so cool because it was stuff I've never heard that I would listen to. Yeah. So, and I, I think the I think Black Mass still does that. I think they do like an artist of the week or something on Instagram. If I okay. I gotta check so, yeah, I gotta check that out. Yeah, definitely check that out. So yeah, there were there were a couple. See it it's funny that Jack mentioned Randy going from burning my light to voices. I honestly kind of think the opposite. I feel like Voices fits in more than Burn of My Light. It's a good one. Don't get me wrong. Right. I think it was good for the character Randy was playing at the time. Burn of well, My Light was fine. The funny thing was his original theme was supposed to be uh, This Fire Burns when CM Punk debuted <laughs> in WWE. That was originally supposed to be Randy Orton's theme. And I think he used it for one week. Yeah. And then they And then they changed it. And then they ended up giving the Kill Switch Engage theme to CM Punk when he first uh, debuted in WWE. That was fitting. I think that was very fitting. Because um, I think the pro. I mean, back in like his early days, Burning My Light was very fitting. But I think once he started to turn into more like the psychotic kind of mm-hmm. character, deranged, whatever, voices definitely fit him a lot more. For sure. But oh, Burning My Light was a good one, too. It was. Even if some of the lyrics didn't make any sense (laughs) i still thought it was good but um and our final question is jack asked why has no one shut down nxt over all these kidnappings who's getting kidnapped i'm trying to remember did there's well i remember well legato del fantasma got kidnapped a while ago oh um hit row because i think this match they got they kidnapped uh b-fab and i think it was top dollar or was it ashante the adonis they, it was they, one they kidnapped everybody except yeah. for swerve yeah and it's like they just, they just wanted to give him a head start over to smackdown that's all yeah which i mean okay first off before we even get into that supposedly the rumor going around is that for hit row they're still going to be a team but i think they said top dollar is going to be a singles guy and swerve and ashante is going to be a tag team really Ooh, I don't like that at all. I don't. Mm-hmm. Because, number one, Todd Dahl is good, but I don't think he's ready to be a singles guy yet. Right. Swerve absolutely is the singles guy of that team. Like, Yeah, that's... Uh, what I are think we doing? They look, they look at the... Vince looks at the size, yes. and he goes, oh, I could do something with the big guy here. The rest of you. The rest of you. He thinks anybody that's not as big as a top dollar is probably like a, a midget anyway. So, which I hate just, that because, like I said, top dollar is good. He's strong. How many times does he carry like two people around and then slam them? It's like that's impressive. Oh but... yeah, he definitely knows how to use his size to his advantage. But Swerve is just one of the best performers on the roster, at least for me. I thought he was always underrated in NXT. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> regards to jack's question apparently they need to beef up their security or something because i don't know what it is with these kidnappings but apparently nxt is the place to get kidnapped i guess (laughs) the worst part is it almost worked too that kind of did because i and uh, usually they get kidnapped and they end up on the main roster because didn't that happen to austin theory didn't he get kidnapped too well he got kidnapped and then he came back and then he came back for the wedding and then he (laughs) left again or he ran away he ran (laughs) He ran away, so oh I mean, NXT is just in turmoil right now. It's it's a mess. Kidnappings and whatever, and I I will admit though, I was very happy with how they 
did the uh, North American title switch because I, you knew Swerve wasn't going to keep the title because why would they have NXT titles on the main roster? So it's like, right. I, was, <laughs> I was psyching myself up thinking it was going to be Santos Escobar. And then when Swerve won, I'm thinking, what are we doing? I said, I'm not going to complain because it's Swerve. But then I kind of got a little confused because when I knew um, to Carmella Hayes, he won the, the contract, right? Mm-hmm. I honestly thought, I didn't think they were going to use it as a money in the bank kind of thing. Where That's the same thing I thought. I, I was like, I didn't know it was like a money in the bank thing where you just sign in and you, right? like, there, there it is. Like Hayes just comes out and it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to have the match. And I'm thinking, wait. <laughs> There, where's the there's no briefcase there's just a clipboard or whatever and uh yeah which i mean i mean good for him i mean yeah it just sucks that sort of had to lose but you know when you go to the main roster you can't take other titles with you apparently unless they want you to unless you're kevin owens but that's a whole other mess but yeah i don't know what it is with the kidnappings in xt it's just they apparently their security is not as good as they think it is i think triple h and john michaels need to put some more budget into security we needed. I'll send them a message. Right, like, please send them something. Give them a memo, guys. You need to stop letting your talent get kidnapped. Yes. Because I mean, we saw what happened with Dexter Loomis, though. At least it turned out good, but <laughs> yeah, not good when you're losing your talent like that. Because no, no, not at all. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, do we have any more questions left? Um, I think that was actually it. All right. Well, that was a supersized question segment, yes. uh, making up for last week. And uh, that brings us to the end of the show. But before we get out of here, let me let you know where you can find this podcast. It's basically all across the board on the internet. You can find it on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Basically, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for the Ringside Rundown, hit subscribe, and then you can get a new episode. Usually, we drop a new episode every Saturday, Saturday evening, late afternoon, evening time. Um, so make sure you check that out. Like I said, this episode was just a little different because the wrestling week was kind of mixed up. We had some shows that usually don't happen. And then we, uh, you know, they were kind of all out in the order. So we just kind of wanted to have a fun, chill kickback show. How'd that turn out? I think it worked pretty well. I mean, we had a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Especially with the whole Charlotte and Becky stuff. And then a lot of the questions we just ended up going into long winded answers about but i mean that's what we love the most about it is we don't see we always try to keep the podcast around like two hours maybe three if we're feeling really like feisty that day Mm -hmm. but we don't put us ourselves into that parameter like yeah right now i think we're almost i think we're like at a minute almost like a minute 45 we'll say but i don't feel like it was bad because it was shorter than most of our stuff we just had we didn't really talk about raw because there wasn't really a whole lot to go off of because we kind of talked about it already mm. at crown jewel and everything was just kind of screwed up with dynamite being on saturdays which thankfully we don't have to worry about that tomorrow or next week thank god no everything goes back to normal next unless week. you're on the west coast apparently they're delaying it because of hockey or something i thought oh. i heard i think it's like dynamite starting at 10 o'clock on the pacific oh. coast or something which we're on the east coast so we don't have that problem it'll still be live for us but we just talk for as long as we want to talk we just don't feel the need to have to force it because Mm -hmm. 
we're not sitting here right now internally panicking because, oh my God, we're 20 minutes away from two hours and we don't have, what else do we talk about? And so we just ramble on for the sake of rambling on. We just <laughs> talk about what we want to talk. When we're done, we're done. And we just don't feel the need for filler. And I think the listeners appreciate that because we could just go on about stupid stuff and basically repeat the same topic like 10 times and it would get boring we just do what we do people thankfully listen to it and enjoy it and yeah we just have fun with it i thought this was a really good podcast today as it always is i think so too um just to also let you guys know you can also interact with us uh not only through anchor.fm which is the platform that distributes the podcast but find us on twitter we're always on twitter at ringside rundown that's where we put in the flame emoji polls for every pay-per-view match and we also ask you guys to send us in questions every week friday afternoon so make sure you don't miss that tweet all you got to do is follow us on twitter at ringside rundown we're also available on instagram the same handle at ringside rundown so check us out you can also check me out on twitter at wrestling cron that's c-h-r-o-n and i stream on twitch eric the ghost on twitch twitch.tv slash eric the ghost so make sure you throw me a follow there uh shay where can they get in touch with you you can find me on twitter at shailene hickson 21 uh i will warn you guys though it is hockey season now so most of my timeline is probably going to be me talking about the penguins probably but (laughs) i still have my wrestling opinions in there so if you just don't mind seeing a whole bunch of whatever on my timeline Give me a follow there. And then I also stream on Twitch at Shay underscore Hickson 21. Actually, I should be streaming tomorrow night with my friends. We'll probably be doing some uh, Dead by Daylight because I got their Halloween event going on. And normally Thursdays and Fridays, I'm playing by myself, usually Assassin's Creed Valhalla right now. So if you want to come by, swing by, watch me play video games and yell about stuff in chat, be my guest. I always enjoy new people coming in to talk. Awesome, awesome. So, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There's our episode, episode 21 for Shay Hickson. My name is Eric Vasquez. We're going to get out of here, but we shall see you next week. See you later, guys.